Today we're taking a break from the discipleship series by Pastor Wayne, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach before you today from my standalone series in Psalm, the book of Psalms. Um, it's been quite a busy time of year, as I'm sure it's been for all of you. Summer is heat. Um, Becky and I got back from Honduras a few weeks ago, and I've still been working on overcoming some sickness that I got while there, and youth group ended, and the summer plans, and Wildwood started, and so it's just been a whirlwind uh, in the last few weeks. Um, And all that to say that I found myself recently tired and weary, um, and searching for a way to get back on track, just to get back in the groove of things. Um, When I was sick, I had to stay at home, and there were a couple days I was just lying on the couch, because that's all I could do. Uh, And in my mind, I thought by resting and relaxing and watching lots of my favorite shows on Netflix that I would be recuperating from my sickness. Uh, And I thought that this was through this way was the way to refuel my soul. It sounds silly now. Um, But while laying on the couch and watching Netflix was good for my body, thank you, God, I was still left wanting and my soul continued to feel weary and tired uh, through it all. And then my mind started going towards preaching. I knew this date was coming and So I started praying about what did God want me to preach on in the book of Psalms. And in my reading, I came to Psalm 23, and there was an immediate peace in my heart and in my mind. Every time I read this psalm, I think of my childhood, and it brings me a lot of comfort. Uh, I grew up knowing this psalm because my dad would sing a song to us, my sister and I, every night before bed when we were little kids. Uh, Right before our nightly prayers, he would sing some kind of song, and it was often Bible verses with just some kind of tune to them. My dad can't really sing. He's not here, and I would say that even if he was here. He he would be the first to admit. Uh, But he would sing to us, and he taught us these songs, and one of them was Psalms 23, 5, and 6. And so as soon as I read it, uh, that piece that I had, even as a boy, knowing that, hearing that uh, God's goodness and mercy is going to follow you for the rest of your life was just great. It was perfect. So we're coming today to Psalm 23 to talk about God's goodness and mercy, and I'm excited. Whether in times of despair and needing to be comforted or in times of reflection, looking back on God's grace in our lives, or in times of success, we still need to be reminded that all good things come from God. It's always good to ponder God's character and the assurance that he gives us through his word. And this is what we're going to cover today as we go through this well-known psalm, Psalm Psalm 23. And my hope and aim is that we are all reminded of God's goodness and the assurance found in his promises. So if you would, turn with me to Psalm 23 as I read aloud. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning, and we are thankful to be here, uh, to hear your word. And as we reflect on your word, on your goodness, uh, on your promises, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning. 
uh, no matter where we're at in life, that we would uh, cling to you. We would hear the truth of who you are, your character that you've revealed to us, um, and we would be encouraged in our heart, our, in our, just in our lives, Lord, that we would look up and see that you are there for us, guiding us and protecting us and blessing us. God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And God, I pray that through this morning we would see our need for you and that we would be encouraged to follow you with everything that we have. So I pray that you would open up the scriptures to us, um, that we would know them truly in our heart. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, a little bit about Psalms 23 before we dive in. This is a psalm full of comfort and reminder of who God is. And really is a word that comes to mind is just assurance. Assurance of who God is and, and the comfort that we can find in knowing him. The assurance comes through David's focus on God being a shepherd and a host. Uh, David uses this imagery to show how God gave him incredible grace and protection and guidance and love during the hard times in David's life. And when I say hard times, I want to remind us that David really means some of the hardest times that someone could go through. Uh, He was chased by Saul and running for his life multiple times, faced life-threatening encounters as a shepherd, and, and faced incredible weight on his shoulders from being king over Israel. But David concluded through all these challenging circumstances that, God, uh, that God's never-ending loving protection and peace would restore him to even fuller communion with God in due time. One thing that is important to know in the psalm is that it speaks not only to the flock of sheep, to the believers, and uh, to us as a community, but also specifically to each sheep as well. To each of us here, we can be assured of God's loving care and gracious blessing and in our individual lives. Psalms 23 shows us how God is like a shepherd and that we can all relate to, not that we've all been shepherds, but we kind of know what shepherds do and how they care for sheep. And then this psalm also shows us how God is unlike any other shepherd and that he can share intimate fellowship with his sheep. And this makes even more sense in light of what is revealed in the New Testament and Jesus being the good shepherd which we'll touch on briefly this morning. So with that in mind, in this psalm, we get the calm, comforting pastoral scene painted in front of us and the central theme of assurance throughout the psalm. And it's simply, I love verse, um, verse 4 when it says that he is with us. And I think that uh, carries through this entire psalm. But what I want to focus on today is how God is our shepherd. I want to walk through this chapter focusing on the fact that he is our shepherd, and how David supports that statement with all these reasons why. Each verse further explains how God is a wonderful shepherd to his sheep. So let's start in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. This is setting the stage. This statement, simple and to the point, implies so much. Um, This is the overarching theme in, in this psalm, and it states who God is, And with him as our shepherd, we will have everything that we need. We aren't left wanting, because as we will soon see, God is the ultimate shepherd, and a shepherd takes care of his flock in many ways. There is no one like our God, um, and this statement, along with this entire psalm, just resonates with intimacy between the author and God. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, mine. And let's see how... 
in the following verses. I have five points from the rest of the five verses. And the first one is this. The Lord is my shepherd because he provides. Verse 2, he provides. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. God knows our every need. Every one of your needs, uh, he knows and knows well. In a world today where from every angle the culture is providing answers to solve our own problems, I find it comforting to know that God provides for us. He gives us exactly what we need, and with God we will never be wanting. The psalmist paints a serene picture for us of green pastures and still waters, and this is refreshing for the sheep and even implies safety and the best of the best scenario for the sheep. Um, And David was a shepherd, and he knows the importance of green pastures and still waters, and they're important because when it gets down to it, that's all a sheep really needs. Uh, they're not, uh, they don't need a lot to be entertained or to live. They just need grass and water. Uh, but I think through the simple statement, David's saying that uh, just as still waters and a green pasture is all sheep need, God will provide everything and all that we need. He also know, David knows as a shepherd that sheep don't really know what they need or how to get there. Uh, we all know that the Bible often uses sheep uh, to describe people because of how dumb sheep are, and uh, they are used to describe and emphasize the need to be led, and oftentimes by Jesus. And oftentimes, uh, we are the same, not aware of what we need. And so David is recalling the incredible struggles and dark times that he went through and acknowledges that God made him lie down in green pastures. Have you ever had a time where God made you lie down? Not physically necessarily, but in a sense, he just made you lie down. Maybe you, like David, wanted to keep running, to keep going, to keep addressing life at the pace you best saw fit, but God thought what you really need right now is just to lie down. Just take a break by these still waters. I know he's done that for me. Um, And this reminded me a bit of a new addition to my sister's family, another one who is in need of being told to lie down. As many of you know, my sister... uh, and her husband just had uh, a newborn, my now almost month-old uh, niece, Lena. And as I spent time getting to know her, I've been able to observe Jake and Tasha learn how to be parents for the first time, and it's a glorious thing. I've never, I haven't been around a lot of first-time parents, but I'm just in awe of how they're taking everything in and how go with the flow they are. I guess you have to be with a newborn. Um, but they appreciate every, everything, every little thing about Lena and how she does this and how she moves in this way. Uh, they are just, they're just loving it, and Becky and I are too. Uh, but one thing that is very noticeable is that Lena doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, she's a baby. She's helpless. She can't talk and address her own needs. Uh, not yet, anyways. But her parents can. Uh, they know exactly what she needs. They know when she's hungry. Uh, when she needs to be changed, when she needs some tummy time. And thank the Lord that little Lena has her parents because without them, uh, she wouldn't make it. Thank the Lord that Lena's parents know know when to feed her, to change her, to give her a little exercise. Well, this came to mind because I think that we are a lot like baby Lena at times. Sure, we can do more. We can talk. We can try to address a lot of the needs that we have on our own. But hopefully we know that ultimately it is God who provides for us and knows best 
what we need and when we need it. He makes us lie down in green pastures and, lead, pastures and leads us to still waters. He knows our every need. We hear this later from Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew 6, right before the Lord's Prayer, that the Lord knows already what we need. And David is saying the same thing here. This psalm tells us that he provides for our needs, and these needs aren't wants or desires, but are really needs that we have. And I would wager that most of our needs almost always are spiritual needs. And so God, is give it, God gives us spiritual nourishment. And one scholar said, when one who follows God, one who follows God is not lacking any spiritual nourishment. So with him, we will never be wanting. God knows his sheep. He knows exactly what we need, and he gives us that. And so number one, the Lord is my shepherd because he provides. Number two, the Lord is my shepherd because he restores. Verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What we need is to be made whole. Being restored implies that there was some part of us that was lacking, that was missing. It's this idea of being empty in some way and and God restoring us to be made whole. It also conveys this returning of life to something that was lifeless. So this returning of life, this being made whole, this restoration of the soul, I think comes through being on the path of the righteous. Restoration of the soul and being led in righteousness are meant to be together. They are intertwined. They are related. We can see this when we look at David's life. Um, and we see how God, the ultimate shepherd, made him whole again when he followed God on the path that he was leading him. We can also see the opposite when David disobeyed and didn't follow God. David messed up in life and had been in tempting situations where he did what he thought was best. Um, An example might be Bathsheba and all that mess that followed after those decisions that David made And there were times when he did follow God and he was restored, given peace from God. An example from his life might be not killing Saul in the cave when he had the opportunity to. And he obeyed God, he listened to God, and he was given peace. And God gave him goodness and and mercy in his life. And so we see how righteousness and restoration are related, but only through God and his path that he sets for us. A good shepherd knows the right paths on which to bring the sheep safely. And along those paths, um, it is implied that it is safe, that life will be down those paths. And so too, uh, the Bible tells us that the Lord loses none of his sheep, but guides them in the right way. David, the shepherd king, knows that leading the path down the wrong path can Uh, Leading the sheep down the wrong path can lead to problems, paths that are draining and are burdensome, paths that take away life. But following God's plan, God's path, gives us life and restores our soul. David even says this in a different way in Psalm 19, in a different psalm. The The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So what are the paths of righteousness? Well, they're found in God's word. They are God's word. His law uh, brings life to us. And being brought closer to Christ, being led to Christ, is restorative to us. The Lord is my shepherd because he restores me by leading me down the paths of righteousness. And the psalm 
Psalmist David adds this at the end, but not for his sake, but for his name's sake, for God's name's sake. And I want to get into this a second. I, in my study, I kind of nerded out a bit, and I got really interested in what this phrase would mean, for his name's sake. And so I want to share that with you. God does this because he is good, and he loves us, and he is true to the character that he has revealed to us. And now we know that who God is is wrapped up into what we call him his name. And so his character is revealed through his name, and he does things for his name's sake that we can better know who he is. That's confusing. Listen to this quote from John Mark Comer in his book, God Has a Name. Hopefully this will clear things up. The fact that God has a name is way more important than most of us realize. I would argue it has the potential to radically alter the way we relate to God. And he goes on to explain in this book that a name is so much more than a label that is used for a dinner reservation or a name tag, but is wrapped up in a person's identity, their essence, what makes them who they are. One Old Testament scholar writes, In the world of the Hebrew scriptures, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, origin, birth circumstances, or the, or the divine purpose that the bearer was intended to fulfill. So people were named based on identity or purpose. But as we know, God was before all things. He has no beginning. And I love that it happened in this way. He wasn't named by anyone else. We did not give God his name. He is the one that gives us his name to reveal who he is. And a pivotal moment of this happening happens in Exodus. In Exodus, God reveals himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. And God isn't just saying, I'll tell you my name, uh, but he's saying that he'll reveal who he is to Moses. John Mark Comer says again, God graciously tells Moses that he can't see his face or he will die, for no one may see me and live, but he'll do him one better. God tells him, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. And this is why Moses comes off the mountain with his face all bright and no one can look at him because God has just revealed himself to him through his name, Yahweh. So to bring this all back around, the Lord is our shepherd because he restores and he restores by leading us down paths of righteousness and he does so because he is good and he wants us to know him. He does so for his name's sake. He continues to reveal who he is and how he and who he is will build up his name, the name of God. So, number two, the Lord is our shepherd because he provides and now restores. Number three, the Lord is my shepherd because he protects me. Verse three, even though I walk, or verse four, sorry, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me just remind us all of the obvious. Uh, sheep have no way of defending themselves. They are helpless. And there were many dangers that the sheep were susceptible to, and so they needed protection. And there's reference of the valley of the shadow of death here as something that they might need protection from. Some scholars explain that in the valley of Judah or the desert of Judah, there are many shadows, and you kind of know what is in those shadows, be it bandits or animals of prey, uh, or the valley of, sh of the shadow of death could be more figurative for other things or it could just mean death. Um, 
Either way, David is saying that in the midst of dangerous situations and even in the midst of peril, he has no fear because he knows that God is his shepherd. God is guiding him and protecting him with his rod and his staff uh, and because he is there with us. Now, rod and staff are your basic shepherding tools, in case you didn't know. Um, I had to look that one up. Um, And they are used to protect and care for the flock. And so David is saying that that there's immense confidence in God and comfort uh, through this verse. And I think this confidence and comfort in God being a shepherd, protecting him, started very early in David's life. As you know, uh, David was a a shepherd and a pretty good one. Uh, In fact, he was actually an amazing shepherd, at least in in my book. Uh, His stories are very intense. They're the kind of shepherding stories that he probably used to one-up other people at dinner parties. For example, 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Both lions and bears, as in plural, of each. This, <laughs> let me get this straight. Not only did David hit the bear to get the sheep out of its mouth, which I would count as the victory in my life. I hit a bear once to get a sheep out of its mouth. No, but then he goes above and beyond and just kills the bear or the lion and tells him I've done it multiple times. I mean, reading this, I think David has to go down in Shepherding Hall of Fame. He's the MVP of Shepherd for years running, taking down these lions and bears. If I were a sheep back in Bible times, I would certainly want David to be my shepherd. Wouldn't you? Imagine the confidence and comfort as a sheep uh, to know that David is your shepherd as you're just grazing next to still waters or green pastures. To know that even if you're taken, no big deal. David will just come and kill whatever took you. And now as great as David was, he says that God is immensely and so much, so much more of a shepherd than David could ever be. There was nothing that David had to fear because he knew that God was with him. And like we said, there was a lot that David went through. And for him to have no fear in all of it says a lot about who God is. He knew that God was guiding him uh, just like he did with his own sheep. He knew that God was leading him and protecting him. And God does the same for us today. He is there for us, there with us, and we have nothing to fear because of his presence. How awesome is that? The Lord is my shepherd because he protects me and he is with me. Number four, the Lord is my shepherd because he is my host. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. While we are sheep that need to be looked after, we are also guests at God's table. This setting of a meal at a table leads me to think of the future, of intimate relationship with God at the final meal that we will have in heaven. Like Isaiah 25, 6-9 says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. 
in the Bible, meals imply relationship and peace. What's even more incredible is that David not only felt that he was a guest at God's table, but the honored guest. So it's not just that we are able to have a meal with God and he is our host, but we are guests of honor. As it says in verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, which was done to the honored guest at a banquet. So first, uh, in this verse, it's conveyed that we are, we are guests at God's table. But the idea of God being a host, uh, it goes farther than just him preparing a meal for us. In, in Bible times, the idea of a host meant you, you prepared, but you were also expected to protect and be, um, be there for your, for your hosts or for your guests. And so um, you're expected to protect the guests as well. The Reformation Bible says, In the presence of enemies, these table guests are honored by anointing and overwhelmed by extravagance. They receive the goodness and mercy from which, the core, uh, which form the core of God's character. And so uh, as honored guests, we receive God's uh, overwhelming blessing and goodness and love. Uh, it's just, it's so much. David says that the Lord is his shepherd and now his host, even in the difficult times. The incredible comfort is so above and beyond because it exists even in the midst of enemies, even in the middle of difficulties and the struggles that try to take the life out of us. God's privilege and blessing abound. And what a comfort to know that the enemies are helpless to keep the Lord from hosting, from having this meal, from having us as honored guests, and from blessing us. They cannot stop this from happening. Because the Lord is our shepherd, and he is our protector, our provider, he restores, and he blesses us beyond belief. I'm so glad the enemy can't keep us from an amazing meal, fellowship, intimacy with God. This is where David, the shepherd king of the Old Testament, again acknowledges that God is more of a shepherd than he could ever be more than any ordinary shepherd because he shares in fellowship with his sheep. No shepherd can do that. No one but God can, can invite the sheep down, his sheep, all of us, his believers, to a meal to have relationship with him. When David followed God on that path he set for him, he treated him as an honored guest. He lavished on him his goodness and he anointed him. And David said that his cup overflowed. This use of cup in the Bible often was used as a symbolic reference. Uh, throughout Scripture, the cup functions as a metaphor for uh, an individual's uh, fate. Um, and so the context of writers using cup in the Bible have both been positive and negative. And the passage here and others in Psalms is, is often positive and talk about life, things uh, that are life-giving and cups overflowing because of that life that God gives. So David's cup, over, David's cup overflowing points towards the abundant blessing and love that God gives us um, and also points towards the unending love we will receive in heaven. So God's goodness that he gives is, just, just doesn't meet what we need. It goes above and beyond. It's more than we need. It's extravagant. And here in Psalm 23, David tells us that when feasting with the Lord our shepherd, when being anointed at the table that God prepares for us. We are safe and we will receive a blessing from above. And then the last point, number five, the Lord is my shepherd because he keeps me 
forever. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As his sheep, we get a benefit from God the shepherd for eternity. Goodness and mercy are the promises that God gives to his sheep, to those who follow. And I love that David has eternity on his mind when he writes this, not just the present, but forever. And this is reflective of God's eternal character. His goodness and mercy are not just for a time, but when he reveals that to us, uh, we have that for all the days of our lives, here on earth and in heaven above. David called upon God several times throughout his life to spare him and expressed his confidence that he would be with God after his death. And he proclaims that here in chapter 23. And just as David wrote it for himself, we too can know that this is personal for each and every one of us. To those who follow the shepherd, we get to look forward to spending the rest of our days at God's table. And this table, this this meal, when I think of it, I, I can't even think of it. I haven't had that many fancy meals in my life. And I live vicariously through other people's fancy meals that they go travel abroad for or the show uh, on Netflix, Chef's Table, and those three-star restaurants that cost $500 for a five-course meal. And I think, when I, when I think of spending eternity at the table with God, it's got to be, be better than that. It's going to be way, way better than that, and I can't even fathom what that would be, but I'm excited. I'm excited for good food with God. And in God's house, we get to enjoy full communion with him. In fact, the word used for I will dwell here in verse 6 is the same as he restores in verse 3. And I love that. David seems to allude to the fact that while goodness and mercy from the Lord will be with him all his days, there is something that can still only be experienced in heaven. In other words, full restoration happens in the house of the Lord. We as God's sheep can look forward to so much, just like David is here in Psalm 23. There is a reassuring promise of God's provision for eternity and the anticipation and comfort found in being with God forever. David is saying this with confidence, and I think from experience, and and I think we can too. He knows who God is. He knows and has seen that God's goodness and mercy has followed him, and he's looking forward to the fulfillment of God's covenantal love in heaven. And so the last point, the Lord is my shepherd because he keeps me forever. So these are the five points uh, from these verses that support the Lord is my shepherd, I I shall not want. And going verse by verse about how the Lord is my shepherd brought me also to think about another passage in the New Testament where Jesus proclaims that he is the good shepherd. It is part of the I am's in the book of John, and I think it helps complete the circle of thinking when talking about God as our shepherd. In John 10, you don't have to turn there, but we find Jesus talking in a figure of speech that the people were not grasping. And as he's talking about sheep uh, and thieves and robbers trying to get to the sheep and how the sheep know his voice, uh, in verse 6 it reads, The figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. They weren't comprehending, so Jesus says to them again, and he explains that he is the door for the sheep, and all the others that came before him were thieves and robbers. And in verse 11, he just drops it on them. I am the good shepherd. 
after dancing around it for a bit, he comes out and says that self-proclaims that he is the good shepherd. Why is this a big deal? Well, we have to realize that the people at that time hearing it would have immediately thought of Psalm 23, would have thought of this psalm that David wrote that described God as a shepherd. Because of this psalm, the role of shepherd had been intertwined with God's character and person. So this was no small claim to the people of Israel. Jesus was claiming that he is God. Uh, and the people hearing that Jesus is a shepherd, uh, they're thinking shepherd. Psalm 23, they know that David is talking to God, talking about God, is praising God, and is calling God the shepherd. And now Jesus claims that he is that same shepherd. I love it. Jesus uses Psalm 23 to identify himself. And so in Psalm 23, we can find assurance and comfort in the fact that God is our shepherd and that he protects, provides for us, restores us, blesses us, and keeps us forever. And in John 10, we see the connection that Jesus is also the shepherd, the shepherd that is with us and opens up incredible intimacy between the Father and his people, allows for us to have that meal with him in heaven in God's house. Jesus knows each and every one of his sheep, and we can know him. We also know that Jesus laid his, laid his life down for the sheep, for each and every one of us. He was the perfect sacrifice. So what a beautiful connection for us between Psalm 23 and John 10. And there's so much more that we can go into. There could be a whole other sermon on Psalm 23 and John 10 and the shepherd and the connection. Um, but I want to take the remaining time this morning to answer the question, how should we respond to Psalm 23 and to hearing that the Lord is my shepherd. And while there are many ways, three things stuck out to me. Surrender, follow, and praise. So number one, surrender. Let God be the shepherd. Recognize that you and I are merely sheep. Take comfort in his ability to protect, provide, restore, and keep us. When life gets brutal, our grip on control tends to tighten when actually we need to let go. We can try to do our own thing, to follow our own path, to try to fulfill our needs in some other way on our own strength. But without God's guidance and presence with us, we would walk through the valley of the shadow of death and have everything to fear. So surrender to God and let him be the shepherd. Let Christ be the shepherd in your life. Let him be the one that protects you, that rescues you, and that will keep you. Let go of the holes that you have on control and let God lead you to still waters. Let him make you lie down in green pastures. Surrender to God. As I was preparing for this week, I was really preaching to myself and all the things that I was struggling with and the discouragement and trying to get back in the groove. And this Psalms 23 surrender was a great, great thing. When it happened, it peace just just overcame and it was it was awesome number two is to follow after surrendering to god surrendering to god we must follow him and obey follow god down the paths of righteousness we must heed his guidance and listen to his instruction they are there for our benefit david says in verse four that he had to go through the valley of the shadow of death and we too go through daunting circumstances and terrible times in life but through them we must follow god along the way 
Trust that the good shepherd will give us a nod or two when we're going off the path and give us, get us back uh, to where we're supposed to go. We can find a great assurance in his perfect ability to lead. God is not just a good shepherd. He's the perfect shepherd. He knows exactly what we need. It makes me think uh, of the sheep that you've probably seen around here, Roseville and Rockland, and they're out in the pastures mowing the grass. Um, and they follow wherever that shepherd and his faithful dog, that is actually an Australian shepherd, I thought that fitting, uh, they follow wherever that shepherd puts them. And that fencing that surrounds, the electric fence that surrounds the land that they are in, is there for their protection. It's there for their benefit. And I'm sure if they could, they would take great comfort and tell the shepherd, thank you for, for doing this for us. We should have the same view. Let God's boundaries and instruction comfort us knowing that he is looking out for us. So trust in him, surrender to him, and then follow and obey our Lord and God, our shepherd. And then next, praise him. In response to God's amazing provision and protection and privilege, the only proper response is to praise God. Just as David ends this psalm in a covenantal praise of God and dwelling on his promises, we too can find, uh, can do that and praise God for the assurance that we have in him. Praise him for his perfect love that casts out all fear. Praise him who never lets go of us, even when we stray, even when we are in the mouth of a lion or a bear. Know that God can rescue us. Praise him for being the perfect sacrifice and for giving us life. Praise him for the future that we get to enjoy with him as a part of his promise. Praise him that we get to dwell in his house forever. Just praise him. God never lets go of us, and we can surely praise him for being our shepherd. These are the three things that came to mind when thinking of how do I apply this psalm to my life. And like I said, the recent weeks uh, where I was struggling and, and it was strenuous, it was Psalm 23 that helped remind me of what needed to happen. I needed to surrender to God. I had to stop trying to fix problems on my own, trying to figure out how to properly rest and recuperate. I needed to follow God. It wasn't until I started getting back into study and God brought me to uh, even certain interactions that I know were God appointed and having conversations that God wanted me to have that uh, it felt like I was starting to be on the path of righteousness again. He wanted me uh, to follow him. And it was then that my soul started to feel like it was being restored. I was being made whole again. And I just had to follow and then I wanted to, after that, and in the midst of that, that is an ongoing thing daily for, for us, for myself, of surrendering to God and following him. And daily we need to praise him. After having God work in us and receiving his loving instruction, guidance, protection, provision, and restoration, uh, we, have, we have to have to praise him. And I'm so glad that I get to do that daily and also with you as a church, as a congregation. So knowing that the Lord is our shepherd... Surrender to God, let him lead. Follow God, obey his instruction, and let's give him all the praise. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, you are good, and we love you so much. And I pray that everyone here would feel comforted and assured in, in your name and who you are. God, you are the shepherd. And I just thank you so much for for protecting us, for providing for us, 
for blessing us, for restoring us. Um, God, I, I pray that as we dwell on Psalm 23, not just today, but in, um, I pray that you put it on our hearts and that we would really come to know you through this psalm, that we would come to trust you more and that we would trust that you are a perfect leader and that we would work on following you uh, in a better way. God, I pray that you'd help us to surrender. We, we try to control so much in our lives and, and we need to give that up to you and follow you, God. I pray that an overwhelming sense of comfort and assurance uh, would continue to fall on us, God, uh, not just this morning, but as we remember who you are, that through the valleys of the shadow of death, the, the things, the trials and, and the hard times that we go through in life, that we would have full confidence, just as David did, that you are going to guide us through them, that you're going to protect us. God, we love you and we praise you uh, and we give uh, the rest of this morning to you and our lives to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.